Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is supported by Compass, the future of real estate in the metro DC area and beyond. Discover more at compass.com. Welcome to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Ariel. And I'm your other host, Atara. We're the founders of Pineapple, which is an online, offline community of over 20,000 women who pine for food and each other. We produce events in D.C. and New York and soon in San Francisco, and we also have some really awesome digital content that celebrates our collective identities with food. And that's actually exactly what we're doing on Pineapple Radio. Our show is basically a platform for two women to explore their values, culture, history, identity around food. Uh, So we'll have some great guests today. And then at the end of the show, we're going to conduct a Spitfire interview to get to know our guests even better and get a deeper look into what and who they pine for, a.k.a. who they're loving in food and admiring and respecting and what kind of food they are really into lately. Awesome. And before we jump into the show, we wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that we think is pretty awesome. In addition to our radio events and digital content, we have an awesome newsletter that updates you on our current events, latest blog posts, and a list of weekly pineapple picks, essentially a collection of things that we've been excited about in the great big world of women and food. These picks range from restaurants in D.C., New York, and SF, where we're at, to articles, songs, cookbooks, products, and what's happening in the good food movement. It's essentially a slice of pineapple life. If that sounds interesting to you at all, we hope you'll sign up. It's totally free, and it'll take you about 20 seconds at pineapplecollaborative.com join. The newsletter is pretty sweet, so definitely sign up. Uh, Before we dig into the theme and introduce our lovely guest today, um, I wanted to check in with Ariel because both Ariel and I believe that our kitchens are a better reflection of our style than even our closets, and we're pretty obsessed with food. So each week we're going to check in with each other, we're going to ask each other what kind of food products we're into lately. So on that, Ariel, what have you been into lately in the world of women-made food products? This week, I'd have to say any women-made natural wine I can get my hands on, and that's in D.C., or if I head to New York, I'm schlepping bottles back with me to D.C., Uh, but everything from how the wine tastes to the artwork on the bottle, uh, I can't get enough. Yeah, and I have to say that I am not a wine person, but it's definitely been rubbing off on me, too, so... And our next Pineapple DC event, which we will announce next week, has everything to do with women and natural wine. So stay tuned. And get on the newsletter because that's where we're announcing it. And Atara, Um, how about you? Yeah, I have really been into the squirrel jams. Um, So squirrel is, as many of you know, um, it's helmed by Jessica Kozlow. She uh, is the owner of Squirrel LA, which is like an all-day California cafe. Um, But she got her business started by making these really wonderful jams, and I've been really into the seascape strawberry and rose geranium 
uh, flavor. It's like the perfect blend of floral and sweet, and it's wonderful. And sign up for that monthly jam club online if you don't live in L.A. because that's a thing, and you get a tote with it, and I have the tote with me here in the studio, and I love it. (laughs) And, yeah, speaking of jams, today we are talking all about jams, food and music, that is. Two subject areas that are inextricably linked in so many ways. First, there's the experience of eating, which, as we all know, it's in no way just about the food, right? It's about the atmosphere, and in a very real way, I think that music can really change our dining experience. There's even research that says that music changes the way we taste food. Um, And then music also inspires food and vice versa. Dishes are often inspired by rhythms and the poetry of music. Take Dominique Crenn's lyrical menu at Atelier Crenn, for example. And lastly, there's the phenomenon of former rock rock stars turning to the food industry. So we're going to explore what is it about music aficionados being interested in food in the first place. We know that chefs are starting bands, musicians are tweeting about what they eat, producers have food blogs, and as we all know, chefs are now the new rock stars. So we're going to explore the fusion between these two worlds and talk through the many ways in which music creates the best setting uh, for self-expression through food. Plus, we'll chat with our amazing guests today about their ideal playlists when setting the tone for dinner parties, which I am very excited about. So without further ado, I get to introduce our amazing guests. Uh, first, we have our dear friend, Farah Skyke in the studio. What's up, Farah? Hi, Farah. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, she is the founder of Dim Sum Media, a photography-driven new media solutions agency for growing Washington, D.C. restaurants, bars, makers, and businesses. She works a lot with many of our favorite women-owned restaurants like Himitsu, Dolceza, Toli Moly, just to name a few. And she's also a widely published photographer with a focus on punk. And she's a musician herself. So we have so much to dig into with you. So much. (laughs) And next we have another uh, friend and, you know, so much to so much to say about Odetta. You'll you'll hear more. But um, she is a musician we pine for with a style that can only be described as pineapple. Here's how her music has been described, and we couldn't have said it any better ourselves. Odetta's tunes are led by her heart-stopping voice and multi-instrument skills that carry her cowboy soul tunes into an era where country can clash with computers and bluegrass isn't afraid of bass. She's on a mission to explore this sonic vernacular replete with badass banjos, detuned violins, field recordings, superstitious soundscapes, and vocal stylings ranging from sensual to spooky. That was a tongue twister. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But also incredible. Very cool. Food is also a crucial part of her identity, family, and background. Her parents are the founders of New York City's beloved pizza joint, Two Boots, joints I should say, there are more than one, and her partner and producer is Jack Inslee, who is also the producer of Pineapple Radio and the genius behind Full Service Radio at large. So we're so grateful to have you in the studio today. So fun to be here. Welcome, ladies. Awesome. So, you know, we're going to dive right into food and music and how that's part of who y'all are. Let's do it. 
So first question for each of you, Farah, I'm going to start with you. Sure. Uh, can you introduce yourself and tell us your food story? Uh, so thank you. As uh, your great uh, introduction said, uh, I'm the founder and creative media strategist behind uh, Dim Sum Media. Uh, I've been... Um, working in that capacity with restaurants and bars and food businesses for about five years now, but in business as dim sum for about two of those. Um, And for me, it's really just about finding as many ways as you can to tell a story. Like an email campaign is a way to tell a story if you do it right. A a really well-designed website. And a a great photo tells a story right off the bat. Um, And, you know, social media posts are kind of like mini photojournalism. Like the photo is important, but so is the caption and what you're trying to put across with both. and that's just how I've approached it for the past few years. And I've gotten to do that with some really awesome people. And that's been exciting. Um, what was the second part of that? Tell us your <laughs> food story, your personal food journey. Yeah. Um, my family is Lebanese and Sierra Leonean. So we've never been afraid of textures or spice or flavors. And um, we weren't really allowed to be. Like when you're three years old and your mother's making you eat pepper chicken, you learn that pepper chicken is not just like a cute name. Like it's bright red from how <laughs> spicy it is. Um, and you don't get to have a PB&J instead. You have to eat the pepper chicken. Mm-hmm. Um and especially a lot of West African food, it is rich and funky and has so much texture. But you grow up feeling like um, the girl in my Big Fat Greek wedding when they're making fun of her moussaka at school. <laughs> like that was, I was like, why did you send me to school with this stinky microwavable Tupperware of fish something that I'm really excited about? And I really just wanted a Lunchable, <laughs> which I didn't have until I was 19 and I did not get the appeal. Yeah. So I'll just put that out there. They were fine. They're a little overrated. Um But my parents are both uh, immigrants and I'm first generation. So my mom really taught me how to be excited about food. Um, Growing up in Seattle, I had friends from many different backgrounds. So once I had a Filipino friend, my mom, you know, was, oh, I want to learn how to make that. And, you know, or a Pakistani friend or a Brazilian friend or an Indian friend. So she really got us excited about um, trying new things and and learning about other people through what they put on the table. Um, And I joke that I got into food and hospitality by accident but now that I look back on it I would go to a friend's house and ask their mom you know why are you using these mushrooms I've never seen before and she'll go oh in our island in the Philippines you know this mushroom is a is that's that's a mushroom we have more of so we use that a lot and I'm like wow the Philippines are a bunch of islands I didn't even know that and just like I got I understood learning about people through food and I was digging for answers I would be really bummed when the answer was like so-and-so's mom uses this mushroom in her pen seat. Why don't you use it? And the mom be like, that was what was on sale. Why are you interrogating me? Get out of the kitchen and go play with the other kids. Mm. So that's kind of, it. that was always the beginning of it is just being the nosy kid in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. And uh, we're excited to dig into that story more. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Odetta, now turning to you. Uh, can you introduce yourself, please? And then share more about your personal food story. Sure. Um, My name is Odetta Hartman, and I'm a musician and an educator currently based in Northeast Washington, D.C., but I was born and raised in the Lower East Side in New York. I'm really excited to be living here in D.C., um, but my whole story is very much linked to the culture of the East Village and uh, where I grew up. My parents started Two Boots, like you said. Um, They also, their first restaurant was called the Great Jones Cafe. Um, both of those are Cajun-inspired cuisine. Two Boots, as I mentioned, is called Two Boots because it's Cajun-Italian, and Italy and Louisiana are both geographically shaped like boots, so it's kind of a cute little mm-hmm. wordplay there. 
Um, and my food story, I like to joke that I bleed pizza sauce, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, it was daycare was essentially like on the floor, shadowing my mom, helping to roll napkins and silverware. Um, all of my hours after school were spent in the restaurant, watching my mom dance around the tables and my dad pouring draft beer. Um, so my, essentially my whole story is a food story. I um, mm. feel very lucky to have grown up in that world. Wow, that's really special. Yeah. I don't think many of us in the industry or otherwise get to you know grow up in restaurants and see what that's like for your parents and yeah and it was a total accident actually they were both artists (laughs) Um, my dad was a filmmaker my mom was a dancer actress um, Mm -hmm. and they just kind of fell into it and now 30 years later it's still so much a part of our family dynamic it's it's pretty wild yeah well I think two boots and is a great representation of how art and food come together and you know it's wonderful to for us to be able to expand on music and food. And Atara, I know you're going to get into the tunes part of yeah. all of this. <laughs> yeah, actually, but before we go on to the next question, where can our audience find you, Odetta, first? Great question. Um, my music is on Spotify, Odetta Hartman, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, all Apple Music, all the platforms. And you can find me on Twitter at Odetta Hartman or Instagram at OB Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N. Awesome. Go find Odetta. And Farah, where can our audience find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet on all the social media platforms at really Farah. It's F-A-R-R-A-H. Yes. And you'll be excited about that because Farah's gallery is beautiful with lots of really energetic photos with uh, punk musician musicians and they are awesome. Um so on that note, on to our next question. It was really cool hearing about your personal food experiences. Um, but how did you develop a connection to food and music together? What was that like? Um, and while you're talking about that, tell us about your favorite memory that involved food and music together. I'll start with Odetta. I love that. Um, well, music was very much a part of the ambiance of the original Two Boots restaurant. Um, one of the classic features was this bright lit jukebox um both the great jones and the original two boots had that and they're still going like people will go to the great jones specifically for the 45 records that are there because it's such a rare collection um so my favorite food and music memory is actually as a kid you know like climbing on top of a chair to put quarters in the jukebox and then press all the buttons and it was kind of this like interactive playlist so now music is very much like curated and and thought about um and and my dad was the one who was actually stacking and filling from his own massive collection we have thousands of 45s um but it was this sort of like interactive um the customers could go and choose their own. So that was always fun, and there were sort of like theme songs. Cowboys the Girls by the Intruders was our favorite. Um, So yeah, I just have these great memories as a kid of um, dancing around to the jukebox and um, and creating this like lively artistic atmosphere in in the restaurant. Um, I started playing music when I was four, and my older brother and younger sister, we all studied classical violin. Um, So there was always noise in the house, (laughs) anywhere we went. Um, And our parents both really, really love music. And and yeah, like I said, it was just a symphony of chaos all the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, And did you have like a favorite record growing up? Quite a few. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, the Girls, for me, really stands out um, just, like, as the theme song Mm -hmm. of our childhood. Um, We listen to a lot of classical music because I was Suzuki trained, and that's part of the method is that you have to play on white cassettes, which is kind of funny and outdated now. Um, We listen to a lot of Fela Kuti. Um, Outcast was really big for our family. Um, And what else? My dad was really into like the CBGB's punk scene. So talking heads and Blondie, this like East village alternative rock, um, experimental. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds very eclectic and a really nice <laughs> that education. That is the right word for it. It was definitely eclectic. And you know, very similar to your current style on music, which is very like pulling from a lot of different influences, which is really totally. cool. Yeah. And speaking of punk music, Farah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. We're here. Would love to hear about your food and mu- music experience and uh, how you fuse those two together. Sure, there's there's some natural fusion that happens, and there's some that like you just can't force. Like for me personally, growing up, there was not really a connection between punk and food. And maybe you know you'd go to a cool Hello Seattle, a cool coffee shop, right? And there would be some, and you know, a cool song playing, and you wanted to know more, or you know, the classic, you know, coffee shop open mic night. So there was a, right. there was a little bit of that. But when it comes to punk and hardcore, for me, there hadn't been as much crossover. Um, I did go to my very first show at a venue that no longer exists in Seattle called the Sit and Spin, and it was a laundromat but also like a diner and a show space so you could get a burger cool. but also see a band and wait for your whites to be done <laughs> uh I, I loved that and I, i'm sad that venue isn't there anymore um but a lot of really strong memories i had where those connections were kind of organic were in the kitchen like you know in most houses that's the hub right that's where people are hanging out and where you're doing your homework while you know whatever is happening um and i love my mom I'm going to i'm going to embarrass her for a minute to this day <laughs> My mother will be in the kitchen with sweatpants wearing bachata heels and dancing while she cooks. And she'll listen to like El Zol. She'll listen to like a Spanish station and she does not speak Spanish, but she's just <laughs> like, she just wants to dance while she's in the kitchen. And and that's mostly where we listen to Arabic music, to Lebanese music. So it was one place where like the things that called us back were happening at the same time as listening to Arabic music and then listening to bachata. Um, and she still does this. Like I guarantee if we went on Sunday, we just like walked in unannounced. That was, ex- that's exactly what would be happening. It's just mom, bachata, velour sweatpants. Like that's how it's going down. Um, and can you share what bachata is for those of us who may not know? It's I I don't want to do it injustice, but I I just I understand it to be a genre of uh, of of Spanish music that's okay. just very dance oriented. Like awesome. this is not just music to like bop your head to. This is music to get on the floor to <laughs> and show off and show out. Um, I had some other things. In Sounds mind. like a lot of fun. To it's be a, honest. It was a, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I grew up playing music as well. I started playing upright bass when I was young, and my parents were like, "Where are we going to put this thing?" Yeah. It is bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So there was a lot of of, uh, just playing music at home in general. But there was always, it was kind of the same thing. There's noise going on. You know, my younger brother plays drums. My sister had a stint on piano that didn't last very long. So there's always just some kind of noise from the kitchen or from the basement or something. Um, it wasn't very quiet there. Sounds ever. like y'all have that in common. <laughs> yeah. Just totally. Yeah. Like if, if it was quiet at home, something was wrong. <laughs> like someone's in trouble. <laughs> Maybe for being too loud. Yeah. <laughs> Someone got their drums confiscated. It's a lot of confiscation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sibling symphonies maybe you know a thing um, but that's not what we're going to talk about right now sure. <laughs> you all touched on you know music in your lives whether that's cooking at home dining in dining out you name it 
I would love for you to explain, you know, share with us why is music so important to the food experience? Hmm. Who wants to go for that first? <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. We're Fire. doing it live. We're literally live, so let's do it. Why not? Um, I I think my favorite examples of this are Bad Saint and Room 11 here in D.C. Um, yes. And uh, Nick Pimentel, one of the co-owners of those two lovely places, is... We'll, we'll get into this in a second, but he is one of those people who is like a punk-turned restaurateur. I don't know if he'd be upset with me calling him that, <laughs> but that is kind of the case. Um but you go in and you take note of how much the music transforms the space, especially when Room 11 had a daytime and nighttime vibe. They were very different. And it's not, it wasn't just because the sun was up, yeah. you know, or, 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 the, or the sun had gone down. It was, it was distinctly different. And you go in somewhere like um, Bad Saint and there's this really lovely mix of Filipino music, but also like there's Michael Jackson and Beyonce and Bruno Mars, but mm. there's also like you know, classic punk as well. Um, and it is really part of telling a story. It's mm-hmm. really part of like, the dishes are telling a story, but so is the soundtrack that's playing. You know, you yeah. want your guests to have something specific in mind. Uh, and I think those are two places in DC, at least off the top of my head, that do that really well. As again, like it all goes back to like, all of these things that we're doing are just different ways to tell a story, whether it's a post or a song that you put on a playlist. And it's funny because if you go back enough, you kind of notice who is like kind of bopping their head to it more. And you realize like who on the staff put that song on the playlist. Mm. Like, this is their jam. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. I, I always wonder when I go to a restaurant and they have great jams, who is putting mm-hmm. it together? Is it a collaborative effort? You know, is one soundtrack like back of house is one soundtrack, you know, front of house. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think in this era of celebrating restaurants and like best restaurants in America, it's not only the food, it's not only the hospitality, it's not only the decor, but it's certainly like the vibes and that's influenced by the music. Um, I know when I go out to eat, my boyfriend is a huge music lover. And the first thing he comments on is always, always, always the music. And so for every person, their experience dining out is influenced by something different. Absolutely. And I think when you remember your favorite nights out at a restaurant, you remember what was playing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that it's all about creating these experiences and these memories and food and music are so intrinsically related to memories and smells. And, you know, the, the Madeline is reminding you of a your childhood memory and a song can trigger you back to your high school ex-boyfriend or whatever. (laughs) Um, And that, you know, that's related to telling a story um, because our memories make up our stories and um, that ambiance and atmosphere is so important for characterizing and defining a moment. Um, I think that's really important to the overall experience. Yeah. So can you share more with us about, you know, why is music important to the food experience for you? Well, I think, like I was just saying, it's like I will always recall that dinner at Rake's when I was listening to some of the jams specially selected by Jack Inslee. Rake's Progress. <laughs> yeah, Rake's Progress. Here, here, in the here upstairs of the line. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I actually was reading a couple of articles about the science behind eating and music and how they're both related to the pleasure center in your brain. Um, And when you're listening to a song you love or tasting a delicious bite of food, it's releasing dopamine. Um, And Mm. the reason why we all love to go out to eat is to have fun and to have a really special experience. And it's literally triggering that part of your brain that's releasing this chemical that's making you feel euphoric. Um, 
And so I think that they're they're very much related. And also, um, we go out to eat or we have we host dinners for conversation too. And again, that's part of telling the story. Um, but this sort of like communal. Um, experience and I for one have noticed that if the music is too loud in a restaurant you're like oh my god I hate yelling across the table and if it's too quiet then you kind of feel like you're in a museum so there's like <laughs> that sweet spot where it's loud enough to feel buzzy um, and, and to generate this kind of conversation which is very much a part of um, why I think eating out and eating with friends is so special. Awesome. And, and how do y'all think that music can actually like change, enhance, improve, or, you know, take away from the taste of food? Farah, I'm lobbing that at you first. Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I love that. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Let's do that. Um, I guess I, I was thinking about earlier, especially when you're looking at, you know, specific subcultures like, um, like especially something like in punk, like there's a lot of folks who are straight edge and don't drink. Uh, and there's a lot of folks who are, are vegan. And I think that can tie in directly to, uh, you know, if you're if you're a punk kid and you're looking for places to eat and you're a restaurant owner, you're getting complaints that there aren't enough vegan things on the menu. You're going to think a little bit differently about how you structure that. So like the, it's kind of funny to me that these, you know, these are like values that are part of people in that subculture and they don't have as much to do with this. Sometimes they have a lot to do. Like there are vegan straight edge bands that are that sing about that mm-hmm. um and that can influence things to a certain extent for sure um i think that is you know people take notice like it's you know the the, the intention of punk is is almost always change so you know your your band might kind of change a menu somewhere uh if you make enough fuss <laughs> which you should be doing i hope um i don't know specifically about ties between like taste and things like that but i i will tell you that my my brother has poked fun of me i have a playlist of songs he has heard me sing to food in public and <laughs> we started awesome. this one night <laughs> at uh woodbury kitchen which is another restaurant of of uh spectrum of, of rick's progress here um and, and that I, was in baltimore yes yeah. and i started singing uh destiny child emotion to a platter that came out because i was really feeling it like it was yeah. just like a meat platter and i was having a great time and <laughs> all these emotions were taking me over um but it like it set it to like a very you know if if the music is fast paced maybe it's less about taste for you and maybe it's more mm-hmm. about the experience of the conversation around you but if you have something like a slow jam you're maybe you're like engaging with your food a little bit more mm-hmm. and and thinking about how your fork is re- you know interacting with the bite that you're picking up and you're noticing little textures and it's a little more sensual yeah if I'm allowed to say that a little seductive yeah exactly that. like I think that's I think that's a big part of it I think it, it can you know, setting that tempo in your mind, you know, will physically make you slow down or speed up and think about it or not think about it. Yeah. And also to me, I think you're talking a lot about like respect of your food. Mm-hmm. If you're serenading your food, it yes. means you're like pretty happy about it. If you're singing Usher's There Goes My Baby <laughs> to a dish, like <laughs> the utmost respect. compilation of all those moments. I have it yeah. on Spotify <laughs> if anybody is interested in this playlist. <laughs> Actually, when I was a baby, this is Ariel. When I was a baby, and even to this day, I still do this. When I am loving something I'm eating, I hum. And my parents, like, always knew that Ariel was happy when she was humming, when I she was that. eating. And I think I still do that. Even the sound, mmm, right? That's indicating that you're tasting something delicious. Um, I, I was reading about this really cool experiment um, at 
an art of the senses uh, exposition. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about how um, music and sound frequencies can actually change our brain waves and our brain chemistry. Um, So there was this really great experiment um, where they were serving people bacon and egg flavored ice cream, which sounds kind of gross. Amazing, Um, actually. (laughs) Sounds great. and they had two different scoops. In the first one, they were playing the sound of sizzling bacon. And then the second one, they were playing the sound of hens clucking and sort of like a barnyard. And they asked people to fill out a survey which scoop tasted more bacony or more eggy. And almost without fail, everybody said, oh, when I heard the bacon, that one tasted so much more like bacon. Turns out they were actually the exact same identical scoops Mm -hmm. of ice cream. Um, But just the power of suggestion, right? That we are hearing something and that can affect how we're experiencing the food. Or wasn't there that like Lady Dorito thing going on where they're making it less crunchy, but there's also like all the science behind like chips tasting better because you can actually hear the crunchiness of it. Um, So just I'm now kind of embarking on this new journey of figuring out how sound can play with our brain and our perception of what's going on in reality. I think that's really interesting. Totally. And it's, you know, the pairing of all of those like sensual, uh, you know, signals that really creates an experience for us. Um, Cool. Well, now we're going to play a really fun game and I'm excited. I think you are, too. Um, Ready. So there's a really cool blog out there called Turntable Kitchen, and I'm just going to shout them out for a minute because this is totally their idea. But they pair recipes with musical tracks. For example, they recommend that you try recipes like meatloaf with homemade barbecue sauce with the banjo-based strumming of Sufjan Stevens. I personally don't know why they would choose that, but I think it's interesting and fun. So we're curious about what you, Farah and Odetta, uh, how you would pair music with some popular dishes too. So what we're going to do is we're going to play four tracks and then you're going to tell us which uh, dishes you would pair with them. You ready? Sounds great. Let's do it. I love this. Okay. Up first is No Name, uh, who is a really wonderful musician. And uh, the song is called Diddy Bop. For stealing that $20, like baby just ask me. Mama said she loved, love, loved us. When the lights was off, we had to stay with cousins. Granny at the BBQ with Pity as husband. Summertime, city lights, shot town, my town, my town. After school matters, like I'm needing that stipend right now. Can the cup parking lot got caught with the blunt, like wow, wow. Run, run, run. Mama say come home before the street lights do. Ice cream on my front porch and my neck. All right, I love that song. The re- the Everyone's like bopping their heads so right good. now. It's yeah. so good. Um, all right, Farah, what do you think? This just feels like summer to me. I mean, there's obviously like allusions in the lyrics to like barbecue and family get together kind of stuff. And that's kind of where my brain goes, but it goes to like the West African dishes that I grew up with. So like pepper chicken on the grill, which is like chicken kind of kebab, but like coated in like a very spicy peanut butter based sauce. We, do a lot of, we use a lot of peanut and Sierra Leonean food. So that and like an orange creamsicle, not a, not a drink, like not orange creamsicle vodka. That's not what's happening. Just like a regular, like you heard the ice cream man outside and now you need an orange creamsicle. I love that. That sounds amazing. We had very similar 
ideas. <laughs> I think that's, you know, <laughs> what makes that song so strong. It's so evocative of that feeling mm-hmm. of like sitting on the stoop in the summer. And right. um, so my choices were Chicago Deep Dish, yes, obviously. Yes. You know, I just imagine like huge slices and then um, like a frozen Italian lemonade slushy drink. Um, that just puts me in a very good mood thinking about that. Both great answers. I want to be like listening to this song <laughs> in the backyard with a mm-hmm. bar- barbecue in the mm-hmm. summer. So that's perfect. All right. Y'all ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. This one is by Solange. Um, she's amazing. And this is Cranes in the Sky. I tried to work it away. But that just made me even sadder. Keep myself busy. I ran around in circles, think I make myself dizzy. I slept it away, I sexed it away, I read it away. away. All right, Odetta. <sighs> I could just listen to that all day. Um, what came to mind for me was trying to think of the. M- most like clean, healthy, and colorful dish. Um, so I was thinking about like a green bamboo rice bowl with watermelon radishes and hen in the woods mushrooms, like bright orange, lotus root, thinking about like shapes and textures and colors, um, and then pairing it with a rose infused branch water. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> As a so Corey. specific. <laughs> I, I had so much fun with this. I also awesome. got to show you my dinner last night because I think it's like on point with what you just nice. described. Farah, what do you think? So much of this song is about Solange like trying to find comfort in different things and also being really messy at the same time and talking about like sexing it away and drinking it away um, and clinging to something that like that's familiar and that you know and that feels safe because like the song is about gentrification like there are cranes in the sky that's so it's it's not subtle but for me when I'm feeling that way and feeling very lost and need something familiar to cling to um, especially if I'm like sick. Uh, it's my mom's Ados Mazruj, which is like a, literally translates to mashed lentil. It's just like a really simple mashed lentil soup. And I grew up eating it when I was sick. Like it was that or pho. And uh, that that is like exactly what I would want if I was feeling that way. And it's like also it's a soup. It's kind of messy. And mm-hmm. if you were like doing all the things that she says in the song, you're probably feeling kind of messy. Oh. So like, let's go with that. It's good comfort food. Yeah. I love that. All right. Your mom sounds amazing, by the yes, way. Yes, she does. <laughs> you really want to meet her and eat with her. <laughs> and dance with her, too. Yes. After party. <laughs> All right, this next song is by Yacht. It's called Psychic City. Farah, we'll start with you. I don't want to be sitting at a table when I listen to this song. I want to like get up and I want as much room for both of my hands <laughs> as I need. So like something like some like I don't know, like a smoothie. This is just like I can't think of sitting still to this song. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, but something like you can hold like like literally like carnival food. Or like Yeah, smoothie, carnival food, something like that. Like I don't think this is that instance where like 
it's more about the activity of the eating and having a good time and not necessarily exactly what you are eating. Mm. And like, you just need some room for both your hands. <laughs> and your body, right? Yes. <laughs> I love that. That was my first instinct too. Just kind of like a grab and go snack. Um, like popcorn or deviled eggs. Um, but I also watched the music video for this song and was really inspired by the table in the music video, which um, is like has these beautiful sort of religious candles and everything is white and gold. Um, and the whole song is about kind of like the occult um, and voodoo city, psychic city. So I actually went with a Passover Seder plate and red wine. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Cool. Yes. I actually might change my answer to onigiri because that's what I would want it. Like that's what I eat when I'm in a good mood. Oh, and I like Ariel, you were talking about having like you eat something you like and you're like, mmm, you're humming, and that's that's that would that would fit this mood for me. Mm. Like, in a good like maybe like the pickled plum onigiri. That's a good one. Yeah, let's go with that. Where can you get that in DC? You can get that at Izakaya Seki makes them for odd provisions in Columbia Heights, and you can also get them at Hana Market, which is at U and Seventeenth. Yeah, short walk away from the Line Hotel. Very short walk yeah. away from the Line Hotel. Well, <laughs> or that's the other after party for today. Yeah. Cool. All right, for our last song, this one is by Fleetwood Mac. This is a deep track that I discovered, and I'm very excited about it. It's called Honey High. Right, Farah. Uh, this is a song that plays in like if Blue Bottle or Stumptown had like a Folgers commercial. So I want to just have <laughs> breakfast to this song. Like it's that kind of vibe, and I can imagine like the hippest family sitting at the table and having their <laughs> coffee and breakfast in the morning. So just like a like classic like Denny's Grand Slam breakfast plate. Okay, like cool. that's all I can think of is like if they made that commercial, this would be the song in it. <laughs> Awesome. So we're not talking like avocado toast. It's no, like no, 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 no. This is too healthy. Don't. Awesome. <laughs> I was imagining sort of like a tea and crumpets experience and especially with Fleetwood Mac, the kind of like witchy vibe. So it wouldn't just be like chamomile tea. It would be like dandelion root and like sage and rose hips um, with some really like, you know, one of those beautiful towers and all the crumpets and cookies and sweets you can imagine. That's awesome. Those both sound delightful. I'd like to go yeah. to there. Thank you. Let's go. <laughs> this is uh, this song. I think all of these songs are on the Pineapple playlist, which yes, you can find on Spotify. It's uh, just Pineapple Collaborative on Spotify. Yeah. And Honey High for me is my wake up good morning song. I love that. I do brew my own Chemex yep. at home yep. and put on this tune and I'm like, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> so there's sunshine in it. And, uh, there's one of our favorite eateries, women owned spot in LA. It's actually named honey high oh. in echo park after this, uh, song. It is not the Denny's grand slam. It is probably the opposite, uh, on the spectrum. <laughs> it is an acai bowl. <laughs> yes. It's like all of the sprouts and beautiful colors. Um, but you know, hearty one way or the other. We're going to take a quick break now. Um, you know, for those who are just uh, tuning in, you know, we've been sitting with our friends, Farah Skyke, founder of Dim Sum Media and musician Odetta Hartman. And we'll be right back after a short little break.
Full Service Radio is supported by Compass. Discover Compass, America's first modern real estate company. By pairing the industry's top agents with technology, Compass delivers an incomparable client experience from the first-time buyer to the seasoned seller. Visit them today in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, or navigate compass.com day or night. Hey, welcome back to Pineapple Radio. We're broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, D.C. on Full Service Radio. We are talking about food and music today with our friends Farah Skyke, founder of Dim Sum Media, and Odetta Hartman, a musician. And uh, we are talking about the fusion of food and music. We just had a really fun segment where we were pairing musical tracks with dishes. And uh, now I want to talk to you both about gender norms and how that plays out in music and food. So my first question is, uh, first, who are some female musicians that you have found inspiring and challenging gender norms? And uh, yeah, let's start there, actually, with Farah. Cool. Um, I, the first person I have to mention is Polystyrene from X-Ray Specs. She was the first brown woman I saw in a punk band. And it's you can you can like music even if you don't look like the people making it but when there is a person who looks like you making it you realize oh this could be me too so she's important to me in that and she made all her own stage outfits i was in an x-ray specs cover band earlier this year and i just could not pick which outfit to recreate and which one i wanted to make like she had one dress she wore on stage that was like a gingham plaid that she just cut out giant like a bacon and an egg and like a cup of coffee and it was like a breakfast dress but she just did like very strange stuff and she also was that person talking about um like talking about sex and talking about bondage and talking about those gender norms like right in her music it wasn't it wasn't you know oh maybe she's talking about like no she's definitely talking about that um more recently uh Janelle Monet. uh Ever since Love she her. started hitting every red carpet with the suits, with the tuxes. I mean, she said it in her new song, Black and White, That's Been My Camo. Uh, I love her. And she makes me feel bad for not owning a tux. <laughs> like, I don't think she meant to make me feel bad, but it's you know what late. I mean. No, we're going we're gonna to go tux shopping. Yeah. We have a big weekend planned with all these parties. And yeah. This, this yeah. shopping we're going to do <laughs> at Haunted Market, obviously. Yes, um, exactly. But those two women, for sure. Um, and there's so many women in punk, especially right now, who are doing that... Um, Riley, who sings in Crime Watch, is the first person that comes to mind for me. Uh, Victoria Ruiz, who sings in Downtown Boys. Um, Sadie, who sang in the band Gloss. Um, it's, it's right up front there. It's, it's not a mystery. Right. And, you know, for music, it's not only about seeing a woman who is leading a band, right? It's also mm-hmm. about, like, what they're talking about, to your point, and how they're acting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's a really good list of women. Um, and Odetta, what do you think? I would say my two biggest influences and spirit guides are Bjork and Grimes. Yes. Amazing. And I really admire both of their artistic, visionary impulses and the fact that they are really controlling every aspect of not only the music, the production, the art direction, the videos, the costumes. Um, And both of them have been really vocal about... The kind of shit that they have to put up with in the music industry, which is very real. Um, I think we can attest to mm-hmm. that. Um, where Bjork, you know, will bring in a collaborator and a producer who is going to maybe help her 
um, you know, design a sound in the very lush landscape and soundscape that she's working on. And then a music writer will be like, and this track produced by this man. And she's like, ah, I did that all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's really tough. Um, but you got to give credit where credit is due. And these women are total badasses, um, you know, doing everything themselves. And they have a true vision um, and really incredible talent. I can't believe I forgot this, but Grace Jones, same deal, like menswear, androgynous, taking no shit from dudes on every talk show that she got her hands on. Very important. And I think you can reflect this to the food industry as well. Absolutely. As more women are, you know, the head chefs and the owners opening restaurants, uh, if they're starting their own, whether it's like a multimedia company or their own consumer packaged good company, to be able to dictate not only what the product is, but how it's positioned. And, you know, you call the shots or women are calling the shots on all elements um, from the sights to the sounds to the taste. Uh, That's something that can be expressed and is being expressed more and more in music and food. Um, I think one thing that, you know, Atar is going to get to, but, you know, for us and for so many of us in food and music, um, you know, it's a form of art, expression, rebellion, and passion, and how that's all playing out um, across the country is, is super interesting and fun to watch right now. Yeah, so on that note, you know, I think like Arielle said, in music, you know, music is, is a, inherently about passion it's about rebellion how can women in food express these ideas and kind of take a cue from women who are challenging norms in music and reflect that in their own lives Mm, good question thanks for the easy question (laughs) (laughs) it's more of an existential question so feel free to just start you know you just want me to start rambling yeah no Um, I think a lot of it is, and I find this in music and in punk as well, like identify your people and build them up. Like you can't, we are in, especially as women and, and, and people who are, um, are, uh, are, are trans or gender nonconforming as well. We're constantly in that position where we are the other in a space and it happens in music and it happens just as much in, in, in food. It's almost the same thing as being in a scene or being in a, in a restaurant, in a kitchen or a front of house or whatever it is. Um, is really like finding your people and building them up together. It can't just be about the one woman or that one person in the space. Um, and and you see that you know you see current punk bands right now, like women supporting each other, shouting out each other. It's not about mm-hmm. competition. It's about like going from surviving in the scene as a woman to thriving. Um, and similar to like I, I'll I'll make this point to punk and also to food. You know, uh, somebody was saying recently along the lines of you know men, it's not important if you support us to our faces. It's important if you support us when we're not in the room. Right. And that needs to happen in both. So I think it's identifying that good dude you know in that your band in your city at the, who books the venue or you know in your kitchen or behind your bar and saying hey. Like, you need to be this person. You have a responsibility. Like, not just to me, but for every woman who comes in this room, no matter which side of the kitchen they're on. Right. Good answer. Odetta, what do you think? Let me try to paraphrase the question again. Um, Go for it. You're wondering the link between the rebellious nature of music and women in the food industry being inspired by that. 
Yeah. Is that about it? Yeah, and, and challenging norms, uh, you know, according to what people expect of them, what they should look like, what kind of roles they should take in the kitchen or otherwise. Yeah, I think it's just about building confidence, and that comes from support um, and also hiring people that, you know, didn't formally have the opportunity to be uh, employed in the in these places and these spaces. Um, and I think elevating everyone and the the analogy of like a band, I think that's what you're saying, is like supporting your people and, and being true leaders and uncompromisingly so. Um, really standing your ground. I see that um, across the board, people that are, you know, sticking to their principles and advocating for voices that haven't previously been amplified. Um, Yeah. Lift while we climb in all industries. Exactly. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. So this wraps up our question period and we're going to head into spitfire questions but first I wanted to just touch on some takeaways that I think us on the pineapple team as well as all of the pineapplers who are listening uh, on radio right now you know this conversation about food and music touches so much um, throughout our lives throughout our professions it's everything from you know a breakfast dress with uh, eggs and bacon on it um, from a musician we admire to you know pairing uh, our meals with our favorite playlists and discovering new songs when we go out to eat or we're at a friend's house Um, it's building our confidence through our voice in music and food and, you know, last but not least, it's you know, the analogy of a band and really not only sticking together uh, or finding your people first and sticking together, but um, really what we're all about here at Pineapple, which is collaboration over competition. And as women, that's incredibly important. And for the men who support us, you know, doing so when we are together, but also, you know, when we're apart. So... With that, uh, food and music, I think, is so much more than maybe we think on the outset. And we're going to go now to food. And uh, this is going to start with our first question, which is a woman in food you pine for. Odetta, I'm going to give it to you. I have to give a shout out to my girl, Jordana Rothman, uh, restaurant editor at Food and Wine. She is everything I aspire to be smart, funny well-dressed, well-read, and (laughs) (laughs) well-fed. Very important. (laughs) Farah, how about you? I have three because I'm greedy. Uh, Crystal Mack of Black Sugar. You'll also Uh. find her at uh, Pineapple and Pearls these days being amazing. Uh, Rabia Kamara, the owner of Ruby Scoops Ice Cream here in D.C., makes other sweet treats as well. And food adjacent, but very important, is Jessica Raven, who runs the Safe Bars training in D.C. and makes sure that D.C. bars are safe places for people um, and the teams know how to identify harassment, Islamophobia, racism, sexism, transphobia, everything. Awesome. Uh, what about your favorite woman-made food product? Farah, you start. Just like in general? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. Um, I should know this answer by now. Um, I 
locally, I want to say, I really love the Zatar from Z and Z. So good. Uh, Mama Dubene leading that team of her sons and making amazing Zatar is it's always in my pantry. Uh, for sure. And I love the roadside pickles that Dorji Momo makes, the Dorji and Amber Jade make, uh, make together. Um, and you can find those. You can find both of those things at Tolly Moly. So there's a little plug. Awesome. Yeah. At the bodega? At the Union bodega Market? in Union Market in Northeast DC, 10 minutes away from the metro. Everyone go <laughs> and support those brands. They're amazing. Odetta? I lately am currently obsessed with Lori Stern's flower pressed cookies. They are just so beautiful. And I have a habit of pressing flowers in all of my books. Um, I had never even considered uh, using them in a culinary sphere. And I just think that they're beautiful and delicious. And I have to say, I was so happy to hear the squirrel jam shout out because every time Jack and I go to LA, that's our first stop. And we always bring a jar home and it's this like coveted treasure in the fridge. We're like, oh, don't open it yet. Like we have to open it at a very special time. And then <laughs> it's maybe like three hours before the jar is empty because it's just so delicious. Yeah, it's very bingeable, I think. So, Odetta, your favorite women-led movement? I'm going to give a time-sensitive shout-out to the Accelerate Her DC uh, incubator grant. That's for female food entrepreneurs coming from Danielle at Glens Garden Market. I think it's really an incredible um, opportunity. And I love Danielle's story. She also was raised kind of in the industry. She goes back to her grandparents, had um, supermarkets, and with every generation they've um, you know, upgraded and modernized the concept of a supermarket, which I think is really cool. And she's taking it a step further and using her platform to help elevate uh, local entrepreneurs and female-led businesses, which I think is just so fabulous. So go apply. Yeah, if you have a food business, you need to go and do that like today, like yesterday. Just go do that thing. <laughs> Farah, how about you? Uh, Black Lives Matter, for sure. Uh, black women consistently the moral compass of this country. So Alicia Garza, um, Opal Tome, I'm forgetting a name because I'm sure Opal about Patrice Colors. Like they have, they have led this and they continue to lead it. And it's not about them. The fact that I'm saying these names and a lot of people might not know those names says how much this movement is not just about them, but it's mm-hmm. about everybody. Um, and you can't deny how hard that they have been working. Yeah, totally. Um, and what about a staple fridge item, Farah? I have been obsessively making the sambal tumis from the fat rice cookbook yes. it is the tastiest sauce Yum. and you could put it on any vegetable or bread or meat or anything and it just breathes this delicious tamarind coconut um onion pepper life mm. into it and i wish i was eating it right now <laughs> i gotta <laughs> need that it's recipe really good. yeah right after the show it's ends. going down odetta uh staple fridge item besides condiments which we love doing and we also heavily rely on the fat rice cookbook for all of our culinary adventures. Um, sounds very simple, but tortillas. Mm-hmm. I can't live without them. I will put anything inside of it, wrap anything up, leftovers, eggs. It's just, uh, I've, I, there have been times in my life where I've literally just subsisted off of tortillas. So. <laughs> It's a great vehicle for all food. Exactly. It's a vehicle and a snack. Yes. Um, You can get some awesome women-made tortillas via Hot Bread Kitchen um, on Fresh Direct or uh, supporting a local uh, food delivery company, Washington's Green Grocer. They have Macienda tortillas, which are heirloom corn tortillas. Mm -hmm. 
um, sourced from uh, farmers in Mexico who have been growing Landris varietals for generations. And we've also got in D.C. Manos de Maiz. Uh, yeah. Joanna Hernandez makes them, sells them at various farmers markets in D.C. as well. Sweet, yeah. Fresh, so Saturdays. Do it. Awesome, yeah. Lots of good options there if you're looking for one. Uh, so the last question is something um, that we always like to end our episodes with, which is a takeaway for our audience. So what is um, one action that someone in the pineapple community can take uh, to explore the food and music connection? Chris Richards, who's the music critic over at the Washington Post, wrote a really great article this week about why it's important to support local venues. And everything from places like Songbird, which is a cafe and a venue, um, to you know Black Hat, which has a cafe, um, it's important. It's 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 crucial. Um, and just going go to one and check it out. Like t- don't put your headphones in. Like take in the sounds of the space on its own. Mm. Yeah, it's keeping the local music scene alive, right? Absolutely. Definitely go support your local venues and your local bands. Um, also invite live musicians that come play in your space yes um yeah host a jazz brunch or a punk tuesday night or um just like different themes and hire local bands um you know we all are excited for more work absolutely um and i think it just again like creates a very special experience i've played in restaurants before and i always love oh my gosh i love when there's like a live piano player um Regardless of what what is on the menu, like I will always choose the live piano player (laughs) over like yeah that will be my entree. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, and just as a way to kind of like invite people into your space and you know cross pollinate. Yeah, I played a show at Atlas Brew Works on Tuesday. I couldn't drink the beer because I have celiac, but it was really cool that a brewery was doing that on an off day when they're not normally open, and that was great. Awesome. Uh, Thank you both so much for joining us. That was so awesome and really just fulfilling every dream that I have about (laughs) talking about food and music. So thank you. Um, Thank you, everyone um, on the airwaves for tuning in. Uh, We were talking to Farah Skyke from Dim Sum Media, the founder, and Odetta Hartman, who is a musician. You can find Farah on Instagram at reallyfarah. You can find Odetta Hartman on Spotify. Go check them out. We are Pineapple. You can find us on Instagram at Pineapple Collaborative. And we're here on the air live on Full Service Radio every other Friday at noon. We broadcast live from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. It's awesome. Come check it out. And uh, thanks to Full Service for having us. Awesome.